children need to become adults, that is, in our bodies, they're mature, we can breed, we can go out and, and produce, we can sustain ourselves. But then there's another stage of upbringing, of education that must happen, taking adults to become humanitarian adults, ecological adults, adults that can understand the nature of being on a planet, being in an environment with many, many people and many, many different types and the basic practices of how to do that. So one of the most important things I believe in the upbringing of children is that children need to be exposed and have deep relationships, teacher, uh, adult uh, relationships where the child is brought up by people from different cultures so that the child does not feel first and foremost I am of such and such a culture and then second most I am human and I translate all these cultures as I did when I was a child trans translating the French culture into American translating German culture into American translating Chinese culture into American that subjugates those cultures but I think our children could have a much better time if they were brought up with three or five different cultures and that they see themselves as something that is beyond those cultures, that is human, that is common to all of those cultures and that every individual that participates in these different cultures is not that culture first, human second, but human first that happens to have this flavor or that flavor or that culture or that culture. There's a uh, common culturalness and if you are a child and as you said and you are brought up in multiple cultures those cultures become family to you become part of you become part of your memories your upbringing you can't go against that culture because going against that culture is going against yourself and that's the actual point to have a recognition that going against another culture going against another human is going against ourselves I think it is the most awesome gift to exist. So to have the opportunity to have a body to live and to grow and to have all of these moments through which we experience joy um, is the most awesome, incredible experience. And this is all a gift to us. And if you enjoy your moments, how could you not be overjoyed, overgrateful, to be given that opportunity. He sounds pretty convincing, doesn't he? Those words are well put together. The ideas sound like a utopia in a way. You just heard Keith Raniere, the leader of Nixon. The headlines of Nixon read like something out of a Dan Brown novel. Alleged sex cult under investigation by the FBI. Or secret sorority branded initials in weird slave master ceremony. Or things like former Smallville actress arrested for sex trafficking and dynasty actress Catherine Oxenberg pleads for help to rescue daughter from sex cult. But these are front page headlines in July of 2018 when the leader of a self-described multi-level marketing company was arrested and charged with sex trafficking. 58-year-old Keith Ranieri, who is the spiritual leader of the group, 
is being charged on accounts of having sex with minors, along with a list of other charges. The group claims Ranieri's innocence and looks upon him and stays loyal to him as if he is the new messiah, and this is their carrying of his cross. But other members are accusing Nixum of being an illegal sex cult that lures women in and holds them captive through blackmail. So let's talk some cult shit. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Okay, so what the hell is Nexum, right? With a name that already looks like a cipher of sorts, or a Roman numeral, it's not hard to see why people were so quick to accept it as a cult. Uh, if you're wondering how this is spelt, it's nothing like you're thinking. It's N-X-I-V-M. Nexum, right? If this were a word on your child's spelling list, this would definitely be a sight word, right? A word that they have to... Just no on sight because it breaks all the rules of phonics. Phonics, throw them out the window with Nexum. Logic, throw it out the window. Normal ways of thinking, throw it out the window. All that shit. Ties to the Illuminati were made almost immediately. Stories spread like wildfire. And Hollywood stars were even speaking as advocates out against Nixum. Stars that had already been in it, right? Or saw their friends be in it. So what is it? It is, in simplest terms, a pyramid scheme, a recruitment program, or a multi-level marketing company, at best. And what are they selling? Glad you ask. Uh, It's self-improvement through personal and professional success, of course. And how do they do this? Well, I'm also glad you asked this, because in Nixum, they provide training through development seminars in courses they call the, quote, executive success programs. Potential students paid tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars to take each course. Then they, in return, would recruit others to take the course and receive a commission for each person they joined. Boom. Pyramid scheme. The Egyptians would be proud. One of the biggest key players in disassembling Nixum was a woman named Sarah Edmondson and her husband, who's called Nippy. I like that. Nippy. Both Sarah and Nippy were actually high-ranking officials of Nixum uh, right before they left the group, after realizing Sarah had been branded with the initials of none other than the Nixum leaders, Keith Raniere and Allison Mack. If Allison Mack sounds familiar, Allison is a former actress from Smallville and was recently found guilty on charges of sex trafficking as she was accused of recruiting underage women for Keith's harem. She was the face and head of DOS, D-O-S, a secret society within Nixum with the highest level of devotion to their commitment of self-improvement. Yeah, I'm sure that's what the uh, highest level of devotion was too, was their own commitment to self-improvement. That's what they thought. But bet you big bucks it was the most devoted to Keith, right? All right, so let's go back to Sarah, you know, Sarah and Nippy. Sarah is the one that was featured on the front page of the New York Times, showing the world for the first time the brand, which Nixum is defending she received consensually on her hip. It's placed, quote, just below the underwear line so we could still wear swimsuits and it would be covered, end quote. 
That's how she described it. But was worse. But what was worse is the fact that Sarah claimed she was lied to about the brand and what it meant. She was also not made aware that she was going to be branded in the first place. Sarah claims that she was told it was going to be a small tattoo representing the four elements. Now, this secret group of women, which were high up in Nixum, who were dedicated to achieving these personal goals and empowering other women and changing the world together, was allegedly started by Keith, which I believe that 100%. And Sarah, along with all her other initiates, were made to provide, quote, damning collateral to hold them to the promise of secrecy, including explicit photos, which she was instructed to take. So now let me play you a part of an interview that Sarah herself did with CBC News describing uh, her initial thoughts about Nixon and then later some of the darker aspects that started to come out, including her branding story. So here she is. Uh, A secret society similar to the Freemasons that would be totally underground and a group of women working together to be a force for good in the world. Taught us a lot of wonderful things and I gained a lot, but insidiously within those truths were a number of other indoctrinations which I now no longer agree with. That women are weak, we have no character, men have all the character, we need to learn character, we have no discipline, we're emotional, which is true, and that emotion drives us and takes us off our track when we're committed to something. That's why we bail on things, we're flaky. So women have to learn how to humiliate themselves, each other. And that's what DOS was. First step was a vow of obedience to And I said, obedience for what? Like, you're going to get me to rob a bank? And she said, no, no, of course not. This is for you and your growth. And this is all for you to really commit. And she's like, it's more like a heightened coaching relationship, Sarah. It's like, I'm your mentor, but except you call me master and you're my slave. And the final step was what she said and explained to me would be a tattoo. And it was the most, she said, getting her tattoo was the most profound experience of her life. The tattoo was something I was very not okay with. And she said to me she'd work through my issues around it, even though I didn't like it. And I trusted her that I somehow needed this. And I went along with it. March 9th, I flew into Albany early. I got my childcare taken care of. I showed up at the house at around four o'clock and I think I was the first one. And she brought me up to her guest bedroom where I'd stayed before. I was familiar with her home and she told me to take off all my clothes and put on a blindfold. I sat there for about 20 minutes, scared, excited, weirded out. Something was gonna happen, I didn't know what. Um, other women were brought into the different rooms. We didn't know who the other women in our team were. And this was her way of introducing us. And she brought us all down individually blindfolded and naked, sat us in a semicircle on a sheepskin rug with candles in her foyer living room area, and then told us to take off the blindfold. And I looked around at my friends from ESP seeing Buck naked for the first time in home. And all of us going, oh my God, what are we doing? And we were brought into the guest room, asked to take off her clothes again. And she drew a stencil on our body of a symbol, which told me was a sign for the four elements. There's a line that's the horizon, this little squiggles the water, this is a mountain. She lied to me, I found out later, 
what the symbol meant and that the symbol was a combination of two people's initials. It was the first person I was kneeling on her legs with another friend of mine um, who is also out since then and may also be willing to talk to you. And we were looking at each other. We had, at the beginning, we had masks on, like surgical masks. The smell of uh, flesh was so strong and like burnt flesh. And we looked at each other, and I remember looking at her, and it was, we were both weeping. It was like, this is uh, something out of a horror movie. And we were shaking, and the woman on the table, I'll leave her anonymous for her sake, even though she's still in and thinks it's great. Um, she was squealing like a, like a pig. She was squealing like an animal being branded. And I, we, were in a, we were in shock. I think, I, was, I think my shock started there. And um, I, yeah, I had to pull me aside and say, you know, you, you, gotta, you gotta do better than this. And I made a commitment at that point. I said, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it because I said I was gonna do it. Even though everything in my body said, get out. Get out of here. And yet she stayed. And one by one, the five women took turns lying on the table and enduring anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes of excruciating pain. Sarah was a slave to her master, who was the person who brought her into the group, and Sarah was to bring in six slaves of her own. Sarah and her husband left the group after releasing she had been lied to. With their departure, the unraveling of Nixum was jump-started. Many people believe that the basic teachings of Nixum are not too far-fetched to believe but it's the self-punishing practices that, are most, that most are calling into question here. Nixum teaches you to take responsibility for every one of your actions and all of your circumstances in life because you made the decisions that led to all of them. You follow me? So Keith Raniere has always been good about talking himself up. Of course, like most cult leaders, a little, little uh, dash of narcissism there, as you could imagine. Uh, he also has a way of making women hang on his every word even having his students calling him Vanguard. Hey, anybody that wants to be called Vanguard, come on. Come on. It's not a sign. It's almost creepy seeing him. He's like a, like a young Charles Manson, surrounded by young, beautiful, and powerful women who cling to him like he's the reincarnation of Christ or something, preaching and teaching what he says like it came from the mouth of God. They're submissive, they're loyal and eager to please him. But unlike Charles Manson, Ranieri chose followers, mainly women, who were successful at business building skills that would improve and grow Nixum. He knew how to make them feel like they were special and then extorted their talent for brand building, all while the women grew more and more in love with him. And no one knows those feelings better than Keith's former girlfriend of nine years and co-creator of Nixum Curriculum, Barbara Boucher. For the first year of their relationship, Barbara thought she was the only woman that was special to Keith and thought she was the only one involved in a sexual relationship with him. Barbara finds out otherwise pretty soon. She learns of three other women who Keith had relationships with. But after leaving Nexum, Barbara's world is split wide open when she learns that Keith had 12 women on the side while he was with her. Keith believed that men are naturally polyamorous and women are naturally monogamous. 
He believed he had the right to be with those women and that Barbara had no right to be upset about it and that he should be the only person that she was with. According to former members, Keith kept a harem of sorts with about 20 to 15 women available to him 24-7, even though many of his followers believed he was celibate. What's even more shocking is all the women knew about each other and all kept it quiet. Well, except Barbara, of course. If any of them began to doubt being with Keith, the other women would be sent in to comfort her and tell her it's an honor to be with Keith and how lucky she was. Many believe this is why DOS was started and that it was just started by Keith as a way for the women to police each other from the inside to keep them from turning on Keith like Barbara had done. Well, that's Barbara's theory. And I think it's a pretty damn good theory, you know? Off the record, kind of. I really do. That makes perfect sense. You give these women this secret society, this set of rules, this uh, false importance, this master-slave relationship. And so naturally, you're going to establish an overall greater commitment to you, which is what you're trying to do with this subgroup of women who, who are now policing themselves. It's, it's just incredible what people are able to do. The control that they have over other people just never ceases to amaze me. So Barbara helped Keith start Nixum, right? When she met Keith, she was already financially successful and fronted a lot of the cost for starting the program. She also loaned money to Keith for investments that ended up costing her $1.6 million, which she is still in legal battles over since leaving Keith and Nixum in 2009. Nixum has been ruthless concerning the numerous lawsuits that they have against former members, so much so that people began to fear leaving because they couldn't afford the legal cost to leave this group. Another former girlfriend of Keith's, Tony Natali, is also still fighting a legal battle with Keith and another one of his companies years after the two have already split. Tony started working for Keith back in 1991 after he formed a business called Consumer Byline, which was later shut down by authorities for being a pyramid scheme. Here's part of a 1992 news story that breaks down what happened rather well. To understand what happened, first you need to know how Consumers Byline Inc., or CBI, works. It's a multi-level marketing company. Memberships cost about $219 a year. For that, members get access to discount buying groups. But they also may earn money selling CBI memberships, for which they are supposed to get bonuses and a monthly commission. According to CBI's own brochure, after selling only two memberships, you could make more than $4,000 a month. But according to members like Bob Harnish, many times that has not happened. And he says not only has the highly promoted discount grocery program Harvest America been discontinued without proper notice, the company continues to charge people for it. And he says CBI is not paying its members what it owes them. They overtax their capital and they're robbing Peter PayPal. Another CBI member who signed up early on in November, Dave Caton, says he's quitting Consumers Byline too. The problem has never been with the membership. The problem has been with the affiliateship and people getting paid, taken care of, getting promised what they were doing. If you go to work, you want to get paid at the end of the week. And that's the bottom line with people. And people aren't getting paid. Not that I've heard. 
Caden and Harnish don't believe accusations that consumers' byline is an illegal pyramid scheme. In fact, both believe multi-level marketing companies like CBI are the wave of the future. But in this case, they say the idea may work, but the company does not. Ursula Le Perry, News Center. Now, efforts to reach consumers' byline president or legal counsel were unsuccessful today. So far, the company is facing four state investigations and several state lawsuits. As a result of one of those lawsuits, Consumers Byline will no longer sell memberships in the state of Arkansas. Here in Maine, the Androscoggin County District Attorney has demanded CBI return all of the money sent in or drafted out of members' bank accounts. DA Janet Mills says she considers the activities of Consumers Byline to be illegal. Well, if that's illegal, there's a shit ton of illegal... Uh marketing companies still going on today, right? It's amazing how many people still fall for these pyramid schemes. Well, Tony did, and she fell for it again. In her early 30s, she was married and had recently adopted a baby with her husband when she first met Keith. Tony was so enamored by him that she left all this behind to move to Albany, New York, and work for Keith, and eventually the two started a romantic relationship that lasted eight years. After leaving Keith, Tony suffered through two decades now of legal battles, harassment, and losing everything she had. Although today she feels quite justified, since Keith was found guilty of multiple charges of racketeering, sex trafficking, and of course possession of child pornography, he is due to be sentenced on October 27th of this year and faces 15 years to life in prison. This system was actually pretty successful at making a lot of people a lot of money. Sarah and Nippy being two of them that we talked about at the beginning. But that is no surprise, as Keith Ranieri was no sham. He is actually a very smart man. Maybe not as smart as he claims to be top three in the world, but according to Guinness World Records in 1989 on a test that was basically an open book take-home test, uh, Keith made an almost perfect score. Okay, so for whatever that's worth. Keith was no stranger to flattering his resume, okay? He claimed he was talking in full sentences by one and reading by two, a judo champ and a master pianist by 13, and that he had reached his state of enlightenment by the age of 13 as well. And according to this program, he is the only person to achieve this level of enlightenment. Keith claims he is a renaissance releasing all attachment to material things and he owns nothing. He is driven around by his followers and sleeps wherever he is invited to, as he does not own a home, of course. I don't know who owned the $10,000 a week villa he was found in in Mexico when he was arrested, but it wasn't his. Keith was good at getting very profound people to believe and invest in him and his program. And that's why it ran so successfully for so long. It had money. It had clout. A lot of that money came from the Bamford sisters, who are heirs to the Seagram's liquor fortune and high-ranking members of Nixon. Claire Bamford was arrested in 2018 and charged with racketeering and identity theft, along with harboring illegal aliens for personal gain. It is also believed that she is the one behind the, quote, trust set up to cover Ranieri's legal costs, even though he reportedly lost around $65 million of the girl's money through rotten investments. Jesus, he had a real hold on them. All right, 
so real quick here, I want to back up. Let's back up to Sarah, okay? Sarah has plays a huge role in uncovering this whole cult and exposing their inner workings, okay? If you don't remember who Sarah was, Sarah was the one that you heard um, in the interview talking about her whole experience in Nixon and getting the branding scar, right? So Sarah was featured in New York Times, showing her scar and blowing the whistle on Nixon. And she did this knowing she too could be charged and lose everything. She did this as an effort to stop Nixon from attacking or dragging her through the courts for years. She did it to free the women still trapped inside the Nexum web. Most believe she is a hero of sorts for coming out against an evil organization. Some have a different opinion. Like Ranieri's lawyer, for instance. Imagine that, right? Mark Agnifilo. He agreed to do an interview on the CBC podcast, Uncover, Escaping Nixum. By the way, if you want to hear Sarah, Barbara, and others who have left in, left in full I highly recommend Uncover, Escaping Nixon. It is a brilliantly done and is very eye-opening to see why these people fell for Keith's bullshit for so long. Now, Keith's attorney is defending him on the grounds that he has done nothing wrong and that the defectors did everything with consent and on their own volition. He is also claiming that the members that defected just wanted to steal Nixon's business model and start their own programs. He is claiming the government's case is sexist because, quote, we are fine with men getting branded and joining secret groups all the time, and that because this is women, we see them as victims, end quote. The FBI has emails where Keith claims to be the grandmaster of DOS, but his lawyer claims it's the women who ran it and came up with the brand. Keith did receive some of the collateral files from the women but claims the majority of the info stayed with the master of the person. None of the collateral has ever been released, although Sarah broke her promise and told everyone about DOS. So Keith, Claire, Allison, and several others have already been found guilty on many charges, but are still fighting in court and will continue to do so as long as the funds allow which that could be a pretty long time. Those are the people who are still in it, right? You got Keith Ranieri, Allison Mack, and Claire Bamford. These people are all still on the side of Nexum. They are high-ranking officials. And it's basically them versus the whistleblowers. You have Sarah, Barbara, and Tony, who are all in still litigation with Nexum and Ranieri. So was Ranieri wrong in leading these women into believing sex with him could absolve their souls? Was the group really a cult? A scam business? Or just a legit group dedicated to self-improvement and changing the world through unconventional methods? Well, I doubt it was the last one. And there may have been some of that, though. This, this man, like I said before, he was not a complete sham. He did have some decent ideas. Like, for instance, I found this interview to be quite interesting. Right now, the state of affairs, especially people in the, the film industry, as I explained to you, you know, there's a big difference between film and stage. Mm -hmm. Someday, the whole profession of actors in film will be gone. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's in 
50 years or 200 years or what, but it'll all be able to be done with computer-generated characters mm -hmm. or com com computer-generated simulated characters of real people. Mm -hmm. And film is extremely limited. Film is one of the, in some ways it's dehumanizing mm -hmm. because when I'm in a film and I'm doing some sort of a performance, I can't form a rapport with my audience. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But the stage actor who goes out on stage can touch each individual in the audience and every, every performance is different because of that human-to-human -human contact. Mm -hmm. What the world needs, I believe, is more human-to-human -human contact. It's been shown time and time again that the more people can separate from being personally involved with each other, the more they're able to punish. Well, whether it's the Milgram experiments or even in a courtroom where you know, the uh, prosecution refers to the person uh, only as the, you know, the defendant, whereas the defense uh, refers to them by their full name and tries to humanize them. It's this whole battle between humanization and dehumanization. Mm -hmm. And some of what happens in a film is a practice of dehumanization. Mm -hmm. Film is a very powerful tool. It's not film that is bad. It's how that tool is used by society. Mm -hmm. But our current society is using film more as a, you know, if you will, a fortifier of uh, a set of chaotic values, a fortifier of entertainment, mm -hmm. and a fortifier of dehumanization. Mm -hmm. There was a statistic I, I had heard, and I, I don't know if this is true, but in the United States, by the time someone is 18, I think they've witnessed, they say, something like 20 or 40,000 murders whether it's cartoons or whatever, human getting killed human, human getting killed human, that's far more than the gladiators yeah. even witnessed. And they become used to it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't become as profoundly tragic as the ending of a life, mm -hmm. the ending of a, a legacy, the ending of a, a whole existence. Mm -hmm. It becomes just an act. Mm -hmm. You know, you become numb and we are becoming numb to each other because we are participating in this, if you will, orgy of technology. Hmm. And the pendulum has to swing back the other way. There needs to be more person-to-person -person contact. There needs to be more of this communication, hmm. more of this direct, authentic connection. Hmm. So I, I'm a believer that you know, going out and seeing people act on the stage is a whole different world and a very important one because it's a group of people who've decided to get together and experience humanity with one another from one another. Mm -hmm. Whereas when we watch film, we go into the film sometimes thinking it's a lot like a play mm -hmm. and it isn't. It's a different thing. Mm -hmm. it's, a very, it's a very sharp knife. But that knife is not being used as a scalpel, it's being used more as a, a dagger. Mm -hmm. So the film industry and the entertainment industry, and in particular the profession of actors, really needs to start to guide the world. Mm -hmm. And the economics of it right now is very difficult. For every acting part, you have so, so many actors. So some of them will do anything to have a part. Yeah. 
and will participate in anything. There is no ethical consideration. And those actors that are ethical, that would refuse work, unless they're the very top of their field, will never be known. So it's a difficult thing. Be known as an actor and potentially have to do some of these acts. Mm -hmm. Some actors, I mean, I'm sure some of the very top actors, maybe they were able and, and they're, maybe they were able to take a path that was wonderful to the top. Or maybe they took a path that wasn't so wonderful but made it wonderful in the end. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have that opportunity mm -hmm. and unfortunately support this juggernaut that's going forward, that's reflecting society's values and reinforcing them mm -hmm. in a way that is amoral. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry about that. No, it's, it's awesome. So you see, in some instances, he makes a lot of sense. And if you're wondering why the interviewer um, was so enamored by him, that is Allison Mack interviewing Keith Raniere. So, you know, that's number one and number two right there, uh, working together, in case you didn't know. Um, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to justify this man and, and the things that he's done. <clears throat> I'm just trying to say that some of the aspects of it, I understand. Like, when, in particular, when he was talking about how the less you know someone the easier it is to punish them, right? Or to deal out a sentence or, or, or to make a decision that could affect their entire life, could affect their well-being. It's easy to do that when you have no connection. You have no emotional connection to these people. So establishing these connections, just like he, he said at the beginning, uh, how I started this podcast with him talking about children, and adapting other cultures as their own and experiencing these cultures at a young age, I understand that. And those, I, personally, I believe those are great ideas. I believe you should expose your kids to as many cultures as you're, as you're able. If, you have a, if you're lucky enough to have a multicultural family, get those family members around them. Teach those kids. That stuff will be more identifiable with themselves. And when someone can identify themselves with another thing or another culture or another person, it's easier for them to show love. It's easier for them to show empathy, right? But the rest of that shit, crazy. It's just funny that he talks down about Hollywood, how actors and actresses will, will do this or do that just to get a part. And, all, and it's like, well, yeah, they're doing crazy shit to get into your cult too. You ever think about that, Mr. Ranieri? Huh? Well, did ya? I'm <laughs> sorry. All right, guys. Well, that's enough of uh, me rambling. Let's check in with Lorne. Let's see what he thinks about the Nexum cult. Right? On this week's Lorne Synopsis. It's time for Lorne. It's time for Lorne Synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren Synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes.
What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained, the case of Nexium, the self-help program slash pyramid scheme slash cult run by Keith Ranieri, a guy who was supposedly one of the smartest people in the world, had a 240 IQ, played seven instruments, was a judo black belt, and was just, you know, all around better than everyone else. He wanted to be called Vanguard all the time by people. And anytime there's someone who is in a position of power and, and requests to be called such a self-aggrandizing name like Vanguard, that's one big red flag. The fact that he was supposedly one of the smartest people in the world and could do all these amazing things and could like write books by the age of two and whatnot, all this crap he was saying, without proof, uh, a lot of red flags here. Um, and of course, it's a pyramid scheme. So people near the top, right below him in the pyramid, people like Allison Mack, who went down with him later, they they help push this agenda that he's a brilliant man and he's you know uh, got such great moral character and whatnot. And he he only wants the best for you guys. Um, has he requests you to strip naked and get branded with his initials? Um, very creepy cult like behavior. There was a lot of red flags, um, but also he was taking advantage of people who were maybe uh, vulnerable. You know they they wanted to fix their life. And maybe there a lot of times with these cults, early on, they do see results. They see some great things happening in their life. They, they feel great about it. And that's where the hooks really get sunk in with this type of situation with Keith Raniere is he does have some good ideas and concepts early on that help you. And then it just starts getting weird. But once it starts getting weird, that's where you should get out. You know what I mean? Um, Anytime someone wants to brand you or you have to be naked for some reason, it reminded me a lot of several other cult leaders. You know, you got Scientology with L. Ron Hubbard and David Miscavige now running it. Um, Bikram Chowdhury, who, like I said, a lot of good stuff Bikram brought to, you know, yoga and whatnot, a lot of cool ideas and concepts. Um, and then people would, would get sucked in by these ideas and like his Bikram program of yoga with the hot yoga and, and like the different seven different stretches and whatnot were great. But then the power just got to him and he got weird and he's a sexual predator, much like Keith Raniere. Um, Jim Jones, same way, had some good ideas, was helping people early on and then the power just corrupted him and then he started using his power for bad. Um, he, have, he would have those weird meetings with people and he was having sex with people's wives in, in, the, in, in his organization. Um, David Koresh, same thing. Jeffrey Epstein, very similar situation with Jeffrey Epstein with Keith Raniere where he even had a, a female associate who was helping recruit people. Um, you know, with Jeffrey, it was Elaine Maxwell who went down with him. Um, but yeah, so with Keith Ranieri, these, this Nexium program would, would lure people in and, and it ended up being a sex cult. And luckily some people were brave and came out and spoke against it. And he was, he's now in prison for this shit because it was very disgusting what he was doing. And you just always have to be weary. Anytime you're involved in an organization where someone has power, there's usually red flags, you know, like the red flags in this scenario were things that this guy was claiming to be. And, and, and there's just no proof of it. You know, like truly enlightened, brilliant people don't, don't act the way that Keith Ranieri acts or Jim Jones or L. Ron Hubbard or David Koresh or Jeffrey Epstein. They don't act as though they are above you because they don't need to. You know, and cults are a very dangerous, scary thing. Anytime you give that much power to one person or even a small group of people at the top of the organization, you, know, you have to be very careful. But yeah, I hope you guys never end up uh, following or in, in being involved with something like this. I hope you guys uh, be see the signs early enough 
Uh, I'm pre- fairly certain I would. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe the next great cult will come along and we'll get all, we'll all get sucked into it, um, just like uh, the followers of Nexium. Um, uh, hopefully not. And uh, yeah, that's my thoughts on this week's case. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you next week. All right. Excellent insight as always, Lorne. Yeah, guys, you got to be aware of those red flags, right? There's always those gut instincts. Even in that interview that we heard with Sarah early on, and she talked about how everything in her body told her to get up and leave, get up and leave, but she couldn't because of peer pressure, because of what other people in the group would think. And and also it, it could be a big part because of the good things that these relationships and Uh, being part of this cult, this program, whatever, was doing for her life. It's not always easy to walk away, but sometimes these red flags, they just can't be ignored, guys. It can't be ignored. So that's the case of uh, the Nexum cult, cult, and uh, we'll be following that story, see what's going on. Like I said, a lot of those people are still in legal battles, Um, Allison Mack being one of them. So we'll keep an eye on that, and I'll try to bring you guys updates on that stuff whenever I find out about it. All right, so let's get to some housekeeping, right? Let's get to some podcast business. Um, number one, guys, I want to thank you for being here right now. I want to thank you for listening to this show just by listening, downloading, subscribing, uh, liking, telling your friends. That is the number one way to help the show. Also, if you have time to leave a review, I would really appreciate it. I got a couple new reviews from Australia this week. Uh, Penny Reeves left a five-star review, said, Great show. Very thoughtful and informative show. Great job. Thank you very much, Penny. Um, Also, from Fee Clow in Australia. Five stars said, Love it. Great show. Came over from TCG, which is True Crime Guys. This show gives light to lesser-known cases and subjects. It's done brilliantly and is a wonderful listen. I wouldn't say brilliantly, but thank you very much. I'm doing my best. I'm getting there. Uh, Another great way to help the show is patreon.com slash podcast. And guys, for just three bucks a month, you can join on um, the Patreon page and you get access to these episodes released early on Thursdays instead of Mondays, as well as two other shows that I do, one being Strange Shorts and one being The Palate Cleanser. The Palate Cleanser kind of kind of helps you free your mind from all this true crime, right? I Ideally, I imagine people listening to the palate cleanser uh, right before they go to bed. Or, you know, when you're getting ready to go and meet with some family. Or maybe you're just feeling down about life altogether and just need a distraction. The palate cleanser is there for you. Uh, but I want to thank uh, some new patrons that I've gotten lately. I want to thank Jennifer Jackson, for joining at the $5 level. So at the $5 level, level Jennifer will also get, get everything that I just said, and also she will get the exclusive uh, Strange and Unexplained Patreon sticker, which kind of looks like the Strange and Unexplained logo, but it takes place at night. Hmm, that's creepier, right? It's very mysterious. <laughs> very rare sticker, okay? Not offered to uh, anybody else, anywhere else, except for the $5 tier on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcast. Guys, I know I harp on the Patreon stuff a lot, but um, it's kind of the only way to to fund a new podcast, right, is Patreon. It takes a while to build up your following and your downloads and your show uh, to get advertisements. So the only way to fund a new show 
is Patreon. So if you guys have the means and you like the show and you want to see it last, please consider signing up patreon.com slash podcast. Um, if you have any cases or suggestions for the show, you can email me at sndupodcast at gmail.com or you can hit me up on social media at sndupodcast. You got it. Um, or on Facebook, which you have to search strange and unexplained because that's just how Facebook is. But also, check out True Crime Guys at True Crime Guys on all social media as well as True Crime Guys Closed Group on Facebook. If you guys want to have a place on Facebook where you can share your Jeffrey Dahmer memes and whatever else you're uh, sharing on there, I don't know, pictures of crime scene photos and whatnot that your family would think that you're a freaking weirdo for sharing, you can share them on the True Crime Guys Closed Group with like-minded thinkers like yourself. Okay? So, always looking to grow this community under the TCG umbrella. Guys, we appreciate you listening, appreciate you downloading, sharing the show, subscribing, and of course, reviewing. So, that's my spiel for this week, guys. I'll see you next week with another strange and unexplained case. Remember, be strange, just don't be a stranger. 